Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to Edge Rush, presented by the Hammer Betting Network. As always, on the Edge Rush show, we'll be taking a deep dive into the entire NFL slate. We are in week 14, and of course, I am with my two co-panelists, professional sports bettors, TA from ClevelandAnalytics.com, as well as Hitman. We'll start with you here. Hitman, how are you? How was your week 13? It was good. It's funny. During the regular season, at the start of the regular season, I was ice cold with spreads totals and i just kept saying to myself i was like you know well why am i even doing this uh, the prop edge is so much bigger and everything and then you know lo and behold the past few weeks have done really well with spreads and totals and it's funny my props have done a little bit worse than what i'm accustomed to so eventually i'm just trying to get that one week where i crush both yeah that perfect marriage of spreads totals and props all hit in one week uh certainly be a nice payday T.A., welcome back. How are you doing, T.A.? Good, good. Yeah, my week last week stunk, so I was the opposite. <laughs> man. I was out on the wrong side of a couple blowouts, which is uh, – it's been rare. Usually if I lose, it's kind of coin flips, but uh, I, was on, I was on the Jags and the Titans, just two awful, awful picks. So um, really ugly week, but uh, it's going to happen over 18 weeks. Can't win them all and fully transparent here, so uh, is what it is, but looking to bounce back this week. Yep, certainly some things you can learn from moving forward. Jag, uh, Jaguars, Titans, not the right side this week, but, you know, put that in the past and try to find some value this week. And we're going to start looking at Thursday night football, the Los Angeles Rams, of course, a dead-in-the-water type team, facing the Las Vegas Raiders, who are coming to town off three straight victories. And while it is a long shot, they still are technically in this AFC playoff hunt. We'll go with you here, T.A., with the spread of Las Vegas minus six and a half and a total of 43 and a half. What are you seeing from a size totals or any perspective in this matchup? Yeah, I got nothing on this game right now. I mean, I think the Rams are interesting um, if Walford plays. I think you know, he's questionable. I think he was limited today. So and it sounds like Baker Mayfield's going to be the backup. So, um, you know, if he plays. I would lean Rams just because um, I, I just can't. <laughs> okay, let's look at the the matchup here uh, from a, a market perspective. Last week, uh, Rams at home against Seattle, getting six and a half that closed. Uh, so the, the line here at six six and a half, essentially saying that the Ram uh, the, the uh, Raiders in Seattle are equal teams. But we just saw them play two weeks ago in Seattle, and that line closed with three and a half four. So even if you count for a two two and a half point home field advantage going through the three. I mean, the market was telling you that Seattle was essentially two points uh, better than the Raiders. So, you know, unless you really, um, uh, you know, gave the Raiders a big increase in rating, which you know, I'm sure is possible, um, it's hard to see that this line should be more than four and a half. But look, it's a short week. Uh, typically, the on these short weeks, especially later in the year, the, the more talented team is the one you want to back. Uh, you don't want to be the less talented team with a bad quarterback on a short turnaround, but 
Um, so I, I'm laying off. I mean, I think my my numbers would favor the Rams. You know, they were a live dog last week. And, you know, I mentioned here, just be careful that game because you get all these backups and yeah, they stink, but they're going to be fully motivated and they're going to try their try their asses off. And they played a good game. Um, they moved the ball and, you know, similar, you know, Seattle's defense and the Raiders defense are, are you know, similarly poor, especially in the secondary. So yeah, I think it's a lot of points to lay with a uh, uh, against the team, you know, a lot of points to lay with with maybe the worst pass defense in the NFL and the Raiders. So, um, like I said, laying off. But if you know, if you're in a pick and pull, I would t- I would take the Rams here. Yeah, no, certainly can understand where you're coming from. Uh, that Rams team, while depleted from a talent perspective, certainly trying hard. This is a Raiders team that, again, besides these three straight wins, have not been too impressive this season. So, I'm not sure if you would be laying six and a half on the road. Uh, Hitman, oh, you should mention. Been- sorry, not to interrupt. Derek Carr is horrible in this spot. He. As a road favorite career, 5-12-1 against the spread, he's only 8-10 and 10 straight up as a road favorite. They've lost seven straight games against the spread as a road favorite, 2-5 straight up. Um, and that's, you know, since 2000, I think 2019. Um, so their only two wins have come at one point and three points. I mean, he's been horrible. He's 0-4 against the spread as a, a road favorite of over a field goal in his career too, which is obviously the spot here. So, you know, this is not the guy that you feel comfortable with. I, you know, some people may think about a teaser. Like I would be nervous here um, if I was taking the Raiders. Again, I'm not, you know, putting, you know, I'm not putting any money down yet on the Rams, but I, I would be nervous even just, you know, in a survivor pool or anything like that with with the Raiders here. Not certainly understandable. Uh, Hitman, do you agree or how are you doing this game? Uh, I'm on the opposite. Not that I'm betting the Raiders, but I lean to the Raiders. Um, we're starting to see some money come in on them. Um, Circa is pretty close to minus seven. Now, and some of the offshores also are, are getting towards seven. I, I don't know if it hits there, but I, I also wonder if maybe somebody knows something about the health of John Walford. I, I think that as low rated of a quarterback that I do have Walford rated, I think, and TA, you probably agree with this, that Perkins is Perkins a pretty decent downgrade from Walford. You'd agree? He's the worst quarterback in the NFL. From anybody <laughs> who started this year. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. the worst throwing. Yeah, he might be the worst overall. You, you might be right about that. And that definitely if Wolf, if uh, Perkins does start, then some Rams pass catching unders, even though they're pretty low to begin with, they would be very appealing. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it could be Perkins. We don't know. I, I just think that – the Rams, I said it last week that they're playing a practice squad type offense. Yes, they covered almost did get the outright, but you know, the Raiders, they're playing well right now. They've won three straight games this season on offense. They've scored on 45% of their drives, which is only behind the chiefs and Buffalo. They do have two edge rushers can maybe give the worst O-line in the league uh, a little bit of trouble. So to me, it, anything under a touchdown, lean, lean to the Raiders. If Perkins is the quarterback, I would lay six, six and a half with them. But with the current assumption that probably better than that 50% chance it's Wolford, ultimately I'll end up passing. But if Perkins does start and the line's six, six and a half, then I would potentially look to bet the Raiders. Yeah, and understandably so. Uh, that Rams team, again, really devoid of talent due to injury. This Raider team rocking and rolling. So uh, could be at least somewhat entertaining on Thursday night. And, again, a must-win spot, really, for the Raiders. If they want to make this AFC playoff picture, uh, they will certainly need to take care of business on the road against a lesser team. 
Moving on to definitely one of the more exciting and certainly uh, on the Twitter sphere controversial, I guess, scams and spreads. Uh, the TA and I talked about this game yesterday that, you know, obviously if you take a look into how these teams really have performed, this line isn't really ridiculous whatsoever. It makes a ton of sense. But that is the Detroit Lions hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Detroit, of course, coming off a blowout win at home, but they did not or they scored points on every single possession that was not a kneel down, which was great for that Detroit offense. And the Vikings, again, surviving the Jets, somehow finding a way to win. Now, this is a game where Minnesota on the road opened as one-point favorites, and this line quickly went to Detroit minus one, minus one and a half, minus two, and where it is sitting now at the Lions, minus two and a half, high total of 53 points. We'll start with you here, Hitman. Props, side spreads. Talk to me. Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings, what are you saying? I like the Minnesota Vikings in this game. And I tweeted that, you know, it's probably going to be me and every other $20 side better in the entire world that's saying, how are the Vikings getting points to, to the Lions? And, you know, I could see the argument for, hey, th- this line should maybe be pick them. Maybe Minnesota is one and a half, two points better on a neutral. I buy that. But, with this line saying with, with home field factored in that Detroit is better on a neutral than Minnesota, I, I just cannot get there. And everybody's going to talk about the fraudulent record with Minnesota. And, yes, we, we know the record is fraudulent. But, T.A., and you could tell me where I'm wrong on any of this. I, I was breaking down the rosters of these teams, and Minnesota – in my opinion, tell me where you think I'm wrong. Superior quarterback, superior running back, superior pass catchers. Detroit has a superior offensive line. And then defense, I know that the year-to-date metrics with, with both defenses is terrible. And Detroit's defense has been playing better. Minnesota's been struggling, especially recently. But just breaking down the roster, like Minnesota has two good edge rushers in Smith and Hunter. Dalvin Tomlinson, not a bad nose tackle. Kendrick's a linebacker. They get Cameron Dantzler back this week across from Patrick Peterson. And Peterson's been having a really good season, according to Pro Football Focus. Harrison Smith, good safety. I I just don't think that the Lions, even defensively, have a better personnel than Minnesota. I know Minnesota gives up a ton of yardage. Their yards per play on defense is really bad, but they are, I think, the 10th or 11th best third down defense. They're not bad in the red zone. So it just, they, they kind of remind me of the Titans where they just play situational football really well. So I think at this price, when if you're telling me that Detroit's the better team on a neutral, that Minnesota is the play. It, it's gone too far. And one thing I'll throw in also is Minnesota, the last five weeks, they faced Washington, the Jets, the Patriots, Dallas, and Buffalo. What's one thing that Minnesota, we know they struggle with? They struggle with good pass rushes. All five of those teams, really good pass rushes. So I think that Kirk Cousins in this really good skill position core, if they just get time, and Christian Darisaw is likely back this week, I think that their offense, it's going to be tough for Detroit to stop them. So I like Minnesota, plus the two and a half. Yeah, no, makes a ton of sense to, to hear you say that. Uh, when you break it down position group by position group, you sh- would realistically give the edge to the Vikings in most of those spots. And given the total, I mean, obviously the market is expecting a ton of points being scored. And like you said, none of these, neither of these teams are great at pa- rushing the passer in both these quarterbacks. 
like many do, are much better without that pressure in their face. So uh, could be set for, again, a game full of fireworks. But, T.A., how are you viewing this one? you agree with Hitman that you got to lean Vikings, or is it really just a side uh, a game to side with the Lions? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, someone who's lost a lot of money this year fading the, the Vikings and just ripping my hair out because they've been outplayed every time I've faded them. <laughs> they still end up covering, except for that Dallas game. Um, I mean, I, I was on the Jets last week. I was on the Patriots two weeks ago. Like, those teams moved up and down the field on this Viking. I mean, the Vikings have the have allowed the highest yards per attempt um, in the secondary in the NFL. They play the soft zone. Uh, their cornerback situation is really weak. I mean, Patrick Peterson's no longer uh, – I know he's played, he's played okay, but he's not a number one cornerback anymore. Um, they've had no depth outside, even even with Dantzler. Like, this is not a, a good secondary. Harrison Smith is good, but just the rest of that defense are just leaves a lot to be desired. And um, – They've gotten away with, you know, the Jets made it to the, the red zone six times and came away with one touchdown. Um, I mean, I just still can't believe that you're second in, in goal from the one at the end of that game and you don't quarterback sneak it like two times in a row, three times in a row. Like you're going to score. I, I don't know what they were doing with some of those play calls. They threw a, a fade in the corner, the opposite end of the, the end zone. It was just uh, it's just horrible. Um and, and the Lions, by the way, are number one in the NFL in red zone scoring uh, percentage from a TD perspective. So uh, the only other two teams that are in the top 10 that the Vikings have faced were the, the uh, Eagles and the Cowboys. And, and we know how those games went against against Minnesota. So when Detroit gets it in the red zone, they have a high percentage of scoring here. So the, the, likely the Vikings are not going to get away with you know some of that red zone um, issues that we saw from the Jets last week. And then two weeks ago with the Hunter Henry you know, uh, should have been a touchdown and they ended up calling that incomplete. And, um, you know, the Patriots had to kick a bunch of field goals too. So, you know, you think they're going to convert more. I mean, my numbers just for what it's worth, all opponent adjusted. Um, I've got this at the lions, uh, as 2.8 point favorites. So this is not enough of a play for me. I, I mean, if it was pick them, I would have taken the lions, um, but two and a half, I've you know, missed the boat and I am a little gun shy because, you know, there is something to be said, it, you know, it's like the the talk of Twitter is, uh, you know, the Vikings and how fraudulent they are. And they are. They're not a t- they're not a good 10 and two team. Um, they're probably more like, a, a you know, a seven and five type of team. But there is something to be said when it's third down or when you need to make a play. and You've got the best wide receiver maybe in the world that you could throw up there and he can make a play for you. Like there is value in that, even though, you know, your yards for play don't you know, it doesn't stand up to, to the test and, and your point differential. Like when you've got a playmaker like that. Um, you know, that goes a long way. They're not turning the ball over. Um, you know, they're, they're not making mistakes. So, you know, they've got better coaching than they've had the last few years. So, you know, those little things have added up to, to, you know, getting these wins at the end of the game. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I think the line is right exactly where, I mean, it's right where my number is. Um, so I, I don't see a position here. I mean, I could make a case for the lions team total, uh, but, you know, it, that's pretty inflated, too. And, you know, in division rematches, I don't, I'm not a fan of taking a lot of overs. So, 
long, long-winded answer to say that I'm, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I think the, the Lions are the right side, but I think it's gotten a little bit. I mean, the market knows that, that the, the Vikings are, are fraudulent. That's why the line is valued this way. It's not, it's not like there's no trap or anything like that. Like This is how those teams have played. The Lions are a top 10 team in the last six weeks, according to my metrics, on a net success basis. They're, they're ninth in the NFL. Like They're a good team right now. And it's amazing. Every game that DeAndre Swift has played, uh, at least, you know, uh, like 20% of the snaps, they're undefeated against the spread. Now, that doesn't mean that it's hit because of him. You know, he's there's plenty of games where he's only played a handful of snaps. But, you know, just between him and Emron's, uh, you know, uh, St. Brown, those two guys are very valuable. Uh, that offense is just is very creative. Um, their offensive coordinator, uh, I think it's Ben John. Like he's awesome uh, at creating some of these mismatches. Jared Goff is getting the ball in the right places when he, you know when he needs to get it out. They got a good running game, good offensive line, and the defense is playing a lot better lately. Still not great, but um, playing a lot better. They play a ton of man to man. Kirk Cousins is historically not good against man to man. Jared Goff usually rips apart zone defenses, like that's his his uh, bread and butter. So there's a lot of case to be made that the Lions are the side here. But again, I, I think that from a number perspective, I'm, I'm right on this number. So um, nothing for me right now, but uh, good luck to Hitman out there. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting game. Again, the Vikings did beat the Lions back in week three, 28-24 on a comeback victory at home. So two teams, of course, rivals in the division, play each other twice. Very excited to see how this next game breaks down. I will. But- I will say one more thing. Sorry, because you brought that game up. You know, if you remember, Lions were winning that entire game. I think they were up four with about two or three minutes left. And they had a fourth and two, maybe, from the um, like the Vikings 38. Instead of going for it or even punting, I don't know what to have punted, but instead of going for it, Dan Campbell decided to kick a 55-yard field goal. Just to, and he, I mean, they missed, and obviously the, the, that gave the ball to the Vikings at midfield that went down, scored a touchdown, it was game over. Like that could decide this game. You do, I mean, Hitman does have the advantage from a coaching perspective because Dan Campbell just, I'm not sure if he knows how to handle a clock and okay. he doesn't know how to handle fourth downs. He's kind of reckless, either, you know, either goes for it a lot or doesn't. He doesn't know when to go for it. It's weird. Um, so you do have that advantage there. So it could be just a tight game and, and the coaching ends up winning it for you. So I will say it, that is an advantage for Minnesota here. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, Dan Campbell seems like you can get the guys uh, excited in the locker room. Maybe you want to go get a beer for him, but uh, he still has some clock management that he needs to work out. But moving on to another divisional game between two teams that are, of course, familiar with each other. The Buffalo Bills hosting the New York Jets. And I really need to hear from you guys on this game because it's kind of shocking me completely. The Jets beat this Buffalo Bills team 20 to 17 just a few weeks ago. And now the Buffalo Bills at home are still nine and a half point favorites against the Jets. And this is something where you could say, well, Mike, now Mike White is playing, not Zach Wilson. So I guess you would could definitely consider that an upgrade at quarterback. Of course, different advantages the Bills have playing at home. But how is the spread not moved off nine and a half? I mean, it's one thing for it to open at nine and a half and then trickle down to nine, eight and a half. Okay, understandable. This line has not really moved at all. We'll go with you to start, T.A. What am I missing in this Bills-Jets game, and what side are you looking at? Well, so maybe I missed it. What Are you surprised it's not lower? Yeah, I'm surprised that there's no money coming on the Jets, yes. Well, so these two teams played, well, how many weeks ago? A few weeks, well, like four or five weeks ago. That line in New York was 10 and a half. I know Zach Wilson, so maybe you give, uh, you know, give Mike White an extra point. So 
now they're only laying nine. So when you look at it that way, this is actually light. This should be double digits. Um, you know, so j- just looking at from, you know, apples to apples perspective, you know, if, if home fields flipped and all that, like this probably should be more like 12 or 13. But, uh, you know, again, the Jets are, have been upgraded here. Uh, I think Mike White is an upgrade. They're healthier. So, you know, uh, this could get the 10. I'm not sure. But um, I don't have a play on this. But I, I think there is interesting angles here from a revenge angle for, for Buffalo. They've got extra rest. This is the Jets' second second game in a back-to-back on the road. Um, you know, last year, Mike White had a really good uh, first game against Cincinnati. He had a good, I think, quarter before he got hurt against uh, the Colts. And then I think he threw four interceptions when he came back against Buffalo. He looked awful um, to the point where they benched him again. So, you know, then maybe it could be this one of those things where this Bills defense will give him trouble. I do see that there's going to be snow uh, during the game. That's another factor here is Mike White, who's got a, you know, a weaker arm than normal. You know, is he going to be able to play in the snow? Um, you know, he's not used to that you know, coming from Western Kentucky. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure if he's played in elements like that. So that does favor the Bills here. So uh, I don't, you know, I would have loved to tease the Bills. I didn't get there in time, you know, sitting at nine, nine and a half. If it gets to eight and a half, I'll definitely play them on the teaser. But, um, you know, that's essentially what I'm looking at here. Yeah, no, completely understood. Just kind of comparing those two games, just more so. Um, again, given the fact that the Jets did take that victory, I guess I expected more of an upgrade from New York, but certainly understandable why. Hitman, you agree in that uh, if you could get a Bills down to a teaser or maybe that the spread is correct, or how are you viewing this Bills-Jets game? Well, you could still get Buffalo down in a teaser, but you just got to do a six-and-a-half, seven-point teaser. And if you're going to do that, then you got to do it with a leg leg similar to Kansas City, where if you did a a six-and-a-half-point teaser on KC and Buffalo, or excuse me, a seven-point teaser now, you would get both of them. Through, th- through three, and you would get them both to minus two and a half. That, that's what I did earlier in the week. Did a six and a half point teaser with Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, yeah, I think that this is the week that for Mike White, that the, the clock might strike midnight for, for Cinderella. He did what he did against the Chicago Bears, terrible defense against a bad Vikings defense, especially a pass funnel Vikings defense. But now you're playing against Buffalo in some bad weather, like T.A. said. Elite pass rush, even without Von Miller. Pass defense, that's getting Tredavious White back. Buffalo, extra rest, full motivation off of that loss against the Jets. It really is a, a home run spot for, for Buffalo, I think. So for me, it's um, nothing ATS, but I like Buffalo and some teasers. No, very, very uh, interesting. Glad to hear that perspective. I was more so just shocked that there hasn't been really any movement. I see one nine and nine and a half is kind of standard across the board. So uh, I guess uh, we will see where that line ends up going. Maybe there is some more weather concerns that will affect that. But an interesting game nonetheless for a Jets team that definitely needs a victory. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. But moving on, another divisional matchup. Uh, we have a bunch of these coming on this week, uh, now that I'm looking at the board. But uh, the Baltimore Ravens, 
headed to Pittsburgh, take on the Steelers. And Lamar Jackson, of course, will not be playing in this game. Something T.A. and I spoke about on day two day yesterday is we kind of knew Lamar wasn't going to play when this line came out. So it's not like from the look ahead line, there was a lot of movement from the opening line. Hasn't been much. It's gone from Pittsburgh minus one to Pittsburgh minus two and a half is what I'm seeing mostly everywhere. Very low total of 37 points right now. We'll go back to you, Hitman, Raven Steelers. Any uh, any good read on this matchup? Great game to tease. It's seemingly every single game between these two teams is a one-score game. So I think it's an excellent game to tease. I thought that Buffalo had some value at, at the plus three – or, excuse me, Baltimore had some value when they were plus three. Now that's down the, the two and a half. I think that's a good teaser look. Um, I'm not sure who's the better team between these two. So if you were to, to to give me a field goal with Baltimore, maybe it gets back to a field goal. I would look in that direction as well. But at the current market, just a teaser. And maybe what we look towards some Mark Andrews props with the connection that he's had with Tyler Huntley. Those yeah. numbers are crazy. Hit me. I don't know if you have them. Like I think last year with Huntley averaged – over 10 targets, like 100 yards a game. It was crazy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is even last week, Andrew's prop line was 59 and a half around for like the whole week. And right before kickoff, it closed at 51 and a half. And he ended up going over. But just because I know he's been banged up and he hasn't put up the same production the past few weeks – that were accustomed and to see a move like that. And I don't know where the move came from. It wasn't like a service or anything that moved it. So I figured maybe it could be someone had some news on that. He's not a hundred percent. So that's the only um, caution that I'm going to have towards some Andrews props. Don't, Don't know if it ends up making my card, but yeah, his history with Huntley has been super strong for sure. Very interesting. Uh, T.A., how are you viewing this one, uh, considering that uh, lesson the Hitman just gave to us as well? Yeah, I, I totally agree with the teaser. This is a great teaser leg. Very, I mean, what's the total, 37? A great yes. teaser leg. Um, you know, love getting the Ravens here over over eight points. You know, I really like uh, getting uh, John Harbaugh. He always fires his guys up, even with, with adverse situations. So I trust him in this spot. Obviously, a rivalry game. They know each other well. You look at uh, Huntley last year, he started four games. He played essentially, you know, almost a fifth with, with uh, Lamar getting hurt early in the game against the Browns, so essentially five games. They won by three in the, in these games, won by three, lost by two, lost by one, lost by one, lost by three. So even in, in his losses, that I mean, they don't get blown out for whatever reason. Um, so And the defense is really good. Like this, this Ravens defense is good. They've shown up. Uh, uh, they're a top five defense in the last you know, five, six games. And, you know, Pickett in the offense for, for Pittsburgh has played well lately. But, you know, they've had a soft schedule. I mean, they, they went through the gauntlet. They had the toughest schedule in the NFL by a mile um, the, for, for most of the season. In the last two weeks, they've gotten a breather with, you know, the Saints and the Colts and then last week with Atlanta. And all of those games were pretty ugly. You know, they needed, you know, they were last possession games uh, in Indy and Atlanta. So it's not like they blew them out. So, you know, now, and they were indoors where Kenny Pickett, obviously with, with the gloves and the small hands and doesn't have to worry about the conditions or the wind or anything like that. You know, he played pretty well. 
it's a different atmosphere now. You're outdoors cold in December in Pittsburgh, and you're going up against a, a top five defense in the Ravens. Uh, I, I, you know, if if I again for pick pools, I would take uh, the Ravens. I, I think betting wise, you know, if you miss the three, um, definitely a great teaser leg. The problem is, is yeah, without it's just Andrews and nobody else. They have no running game. They've got no outside weapons at all. You know, it's really for such a smart organization. They really. I tweeted about it right before the opening game for Baltimore that I can't believe that they're going into this season with that wide receiving core. And that included Rashad Bateman. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have Rashad Bateman. You have absolutely nobody. You got Deshaun Jackson off the street. You've got Demarcus Robinson, who was the guy was cut by the Raiders uh, last year. You have um, uh, Devin Duvernay. Like he's not even a, a, really an NFL wide receiver. I, you know, it's hard for, it's hard for me to see uh, them make a ton of plays, but I think it's such a low-scoring game, and I think they're going to harass Kenny Pickett. I think there could be some turnovers here. I think the defense for the Ravens you know, keeps them in this anyway and gives them good field position and obviously have the best kicker in the NFL with Justin Tucker in this condition. And you know, I think Boswell's still out, right, for the Steelers. So you know, they don't have a kicker who's really reliable anymore here. So that could be the difference, and every point matters in a game like this. So, you know. Uh, to me, it's Ravens on a teaser and, you know, in a, in a picks pool, uh, take them, um, but just lay off the side for now. Yeah, no, certainly understandable. I got a total sitting at 37 pretty solidly across the board. Uh, definitely not a, a must-watch game on this slate this weekend. Moving to another interesting divisional game, the New York Giants hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles currently sitting at seven, six and a half point favorites, depending where you look. The total sitting at 45, 44 and a half, depending where you look. Of course, Philly really put a number on the Tennessee Titans last week. And their ability to really throw the football last weekend and not rely solely on the run game was, I'm sure, for as an Eagles fan, a breath of fresh air to see that this team can win in multiple facets. And the Giants, they tied against the Commanders, played a hard-fought football game, but unfortunately could not uh, convert in overtime to get those points to win it but a must-win game kind of for New York as that NFC playoff race is getting really tough right now. We'll start with UTA. Giants-Eagles with a spread of six and a half, seven. Is this something you're looking to tease the Eagles on, or you think that you know the Giants might be the right side here? Yeah, uh, I haven't done anything here yet. I, I would, you know, I would lean Eagles, but I, I'm not – I haven't touched anything yet. I mean, the Eagles – or the, the Giants have had the easiest schedule in the NFL. They put absolutely nobody – when they played, when they stepped up in class against Dallas, you know, they're essentially, they essentially lost by double digits. They needed that last second backdoor miracle to, to lose by eight. But, you know, they really haven't. I mean, they played the Lions and got blown out, played the, the Seahawks, got blown out. You know, they beat the Ravens. That was a nice win. But they, you know, again, they really haven't, um, you know, teams here. So, again, this is a huge step up for them. Uh, so I'm a little bit worried about them. <laughs> I don't like laying a ton of points uh, this late in the year uh, in division. Like that's just uh, on the road. That's just a tough, tough ask in December. Historically, it's not a great, great time to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I just think the Eagles are going to roll here. Um, you know, I, I think that you know Philly, like you said, they're what they do well is unlike some other teams where they're so hard headed. These coaches are so hard headed. That they just like the Titans are one of the are an example of this. Well, they'll doesn't matter what the matchup advantage is, doesn't matter about the conditions, anything like that. They're just gonna run their offense no matter what. And even if it's just running your head into a brick wall, um, they're gonna keep doing it. Where the Eagles adapt when they face the Washington 
And when they faced last week, um, uh, the Titans, two, two of the best run defenses in the NFL, they said, look, we don't need to run. We're just going to we're gonna throw it on you instead. We're not going to force it. We're not going to be you know inefficient on offense. So they just aired it out and they, they destroyed the Titans through the air. They had no way of stopping A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. So, um, you know, I, I trust them to come up with a scheme that will take, you know, essentially take advantage of the Giants. The Giants really, from an injury perspective, you know, I can't believe they even were able to tie that game last week. You know, not only did they have a bunch of offensive line issues, they they're missing their starting quarterback, Darnay Holmes, who was uh, declared out surprisingly last minute. You know, they have no wide receivers. And so they, you know, if that that comes up again, there's going to be a, such a big, a big disadvantage this week. You know, Saquon Barkley is really slowing down here. It's going to be all on Daniel Jones's shoulders to make plays happen with his legs. And that's just a tough ask against this Eagles team. So um, I said nothing for me if it gets under seven. If we're at a six and a half minus one ten, I would I would you know look to the Eagles, but um, at seven, I'm I'm not uh, doing anything right now. Yeah, certainly got it. And the big boost, Jordan Davis back in that lineup for Philly, and uh, this team looking very complete. Hitman, Eagles, Giants. Any thoughts on the cider total here? <sighs> I don't got much. I'll be honest. I make the game on the number. Um, some prop looks that I'm looking at. Maybe Hurts rush yards, considering how man man coverage heavy the giants are and potentially maybe an aj brown look with um the man coverage blitzing style of the giants defense it suits aj brown really well but uh, i don't got nothing on the side or total i i make it on the number yeah gotcha make it on the number no value there move on to the next game or look in the prop market so certainly understandable very important game for the giants so we'll see how that breaks down at MetLife stadium this sunday but moving on, the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Cleveland Browns. Of course, the Browns won at Houston last week, but it was not because of Deshaun Watson, who was obviously showing some signs of rust and uh, had a hard time getting it going in his first NFL action in two-plus years. Then you have this Cincinnati Bengals team coming off a huge win against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And this Bengals team, I feel like a lot of people wrote off toward the end of last year and the beginning of this year as kind of like this – I don't want to say lucky, but I guess opportunistic team that took advantage of some of their situations. But were they really a contender in the AFC moving forward? And it seems to be like that Cincinnati Bengals are are certainly legit. So we'll talk to you here. Hitman, Browns, Bengals, a spread of Bengals minus six, a total of 47. Anything looking at in this matchup? I, I like the Bengals. Um, the line has went up a uh, a little bit since I bet it. I, I bet it at four and a half. At minus six, I'm going to call it a strong lean towards Cincinnati. Um, I watched the entire game against Houston. Had a lot of props on it. Anti-Browns uh, passing game and pro-Browns running game. And Watson, It it's not a matter of like – him building chemistry with these receivers. And I'm sure that's an issue, but the biggest issue was just how inaccurate he was. Like he missed so many throws. His, his decision-making was poor. just wasn't a great game. And I know he struggled in the preseason. Yeah, it was only a few snaps, but the preseason was really rough. Even the reports that you heard from some of the Browns guys on NFL Network before the game, they were like, yeah, you know, Watson in practice 
there was some highlight reels for sure, but a lot of rust also. And I'm just not sure that one more week and three more practices is going to knock all that rust off. So I really haven't upgraded the Browns um, from Watson, from Brissett to Watson. And until Watson shows me something, I'm not going to give him much of an upgrade. I'm sure in the long term it's an upgrade, but for this current week right now, I'm not sure it's an upgrade. And I, I think Cincinnati, they're absolutely rolling. One of the big things that has helped them in the past few weeks is Joe Burrow has been under pressure at like a bottom three or four rate since that Browns game on Halloween. So their pass protection has been a lot better. You obviously have Chase back. The, the Bengals have a great defensive coordinator that is going to take advantage of all of Watson's current weaknesses. I think even at minus six, it, it's a strong lean towards Cincinnati. I certainly can see why. Uh, we'll go to the Cleveland Browns fan himself, T.A. Uh, quick caveat, though, of course, is Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have not been good against the Browns so far throughout his career. The Browns have won all those matches, if I'm not mistaken. So, first of all, how are you viewing this game? And uh, does that play any role into your thoughts on this matchup, or you're still just taking this matchup by matchup, game by game? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, I take it game by game, but you have to consider it. I mean, I'm looking at two of his uh, eight worst games of his career from an EPA standpoint have come against the Browns, um, and that included earlier this year. Uh, he had his third worst game of his career last year when the Browns blew them out. I mean, the Browns couldn't do anything against anybody late in the year with Baker Mayfield, and, and they destroyed this team. You know, they've got a, they've got their number somehow. Like, they match up well for whatever reason. Um, sometimes it's not easy to explain. It's just like Dennis Allen and the Saints with, with Tom Brady, right? Like they they match up well. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, that seems to be the case. Again, that's not the reason uh, that you think the Browns are going to win, but I think it helps your case. <laughs> that specific style of defense. You've got a great pass rusher in Miles Garrett who gets to him. I mean, Miles Garrett has, I think, six sacks in his in four games in his career against Joe Burrow. I mean, he completely dominated the game last last time. You know, and look, let's look at the, the you know, I know you, you said they hasn't been pressured much lately, but look, I mean, the Chiefs don't give you, they have no edge rush. The Titans have no edge rush, especially without Danico Autry. Those are a couple of teams that they've faced recently. Um, you know, so they've had a little bit of a, you know, a, a breather from that perspective. You know, again, I, I don't know. I mean, the Watson situation, he did stink last week. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, you, you're getting bullets, you know, flying at you for the first time. It's the speed of the game that he had to adjust to. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be a world beater, but I think if they're trailing, if there needs to be a play, you know, I think that the offense for for one thing was pretty vanilla. If you if you watch that game, you know, they did some RPO stuff, but they didn't really unleash a lot. Once they get the lead, they just ran, essentially ran out the clock. They didn't do much after that. So I think they just want to get his feet wet. I don't think they wanted to show too much too soon. And it's surprising that you said about the uh, practice reports. Actually, I have some buddies. I have a buddy who's a uh, one of the reporters um, and I, I follow all of them and they were raving about how all the players are like the ball never hits the ground. 
that he's been accurate left and right, just making plays like, you know, they were wowed by him uh, the week leading up to, to Sunday. So um, I actually think he, he it was more that helps me think that this was more of just nerves, you know, in Houston, first game back, bullets flying, like all of that kind of weighed into it. I think he has a good game. I, I haven't taken this yet. I, I'm trying to I'm waiting for a six and a half because I will take the Browns. I don't think I'll get the seven, but. You know, I think it's over adjustment. This look ahead was three and a half because I, I remember before Sunday looking like, hey, if the Browns blow out ten, uh, Houston and who knows what happens with the Chiefs game with, with Bengals, you know, maybe that half point is valuable. I didn't take it, but I, I remember looking at it a lot and staring at it. And that was three and a half. Now we're up to six, two and a half point adjustment. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit uh, a little bit over over its skis. So. Uh, to me, it's at this point, it's it's Browns or, or nothing. And you know, I think it's going to be I think John Watson is going to make a couple of plays and pull, uh, pull a couple of rabbits out of, out of his hat. Like the guy's an elite quarterback. I don't think he just forgot how to play. Um, I just he just needed to get some of that rust off of him. And, you know, hopefully this is the week for him to do that. And again, uh, the Browns have, you know, defense matches up well against Cincinnati for whatever reason. The Browns defense has has you know had its moments of you know, looking like a, a bottom five defense in the NFL at, at times. But when they play in division against Lamar, they've shut them down, you know, every time the last two years. Uh, they did the, did did so this year. They, they lost, I think, on the last, you know, in the last minute against them. Um, he had his worst game of, his, of the season against them. Um, every time they face Burrow, they shut him down. So for whatever reason, they, they do very well in division. And so, you know, that helps their case here. So. Uh, I think it's gonna be a great game. I think it's it's gonna be a really fun game to watch. I think it's gonna be back and forth, and I think it's gonna be a lot tighter than than you know the six is. Uh, everyone's calling the Bengals the the new Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl team in the AFC, and you know I had a feeling that was gonna happen after after last week. But you know usually when that happens and you get big line move like this, it's hard to repeat that and uh, win with big margin here. So we'll see what happens. No, I certainly understand where you're coming from here. Definitely going to agree with Hitman that maybe the – or probably the Deshaun Watson is an upgrade in the future. Still right now, very hard to see. But uh, also can definitely see him coming back and regaining his form. Like you said, he was an elite quarterback. He's still very young. So uh, don't think he forgot how to play the position. Needs some more time to get reacclimated. But moving on to another matchup, the Tennessee Titans hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now both of these teams got absolutely beat down. Last week, they face off for the first time this season. This line starting to move a little bit now. It's open at Tennessee minus three and a half, and I'm seeing mostly fours on the board here in favor of Tennessee. The total open 41 still sitting there pretty solidly. We'll go back to you here, T.A. Jaguars, Titans. How are you looking to bet this one? Yeah, I think um, it's weird. So the the I took it yesterday. I took the Jags at four yesterday. Um and you know, I'll go into why, but you know, at Monday they they uh, you know obviously the big big story is Trevor Lawrence hurt his foot. They gave him an MRI Monday. Everything was clean. Uh, all reports were Doug Peterson said he's going to play. You know, no big deal. Uh, and then I looked at some of the injuries that the Titans had uh, after last week, and they were absolutely, I mean, a complete wreck. And so the injury report was not out yet, but based on just my, you know my history of watching this stuff I, I knew that you know it could look really ugly starting today so I thought that you know once the report comes out that the line could hit three so I jumped on the four and then this morning I, Doug Peterson comes out in his press conference and says that Trevor Lawrence is day-to-day -day. he's not going to practice today 
uh, and they're hoping he'll practice at the end of the week. Uh, and then the line, you know, people got spooked. The line went to four, four and a half again uh, after dropping to three and a half last night. So I don't know. I, I you know, he said he's going to play. And again, the MRI was clean. They are still in this, by the way, to win the division. I mean, Tennessee is is struggling lately. They've got two games coming up against Jacksonville. I think they're only three games back. So they can, if they sweep Tennessee, they got a real shot at winning this division. So it's not like it's a, one of those cases of, you know, shutting them down, you know, because they're out of the playoff line. They're not. So they definitely do want to win this game. So I think he will play. Like, there's no reason to expect that he wouldn't. To me, A, I, you know, I, I have been fading the Titans a lot, similar to the Vikings. Had, you know, won some, lost some, won against, you know, when uh, the Bengals went up against them two weeks ago and started to think that they're, you know, some of the, the shine was, was was coming off of them. I thought, you know, I got suckered into them last week against the Eagles. I uh, thought it was a good matchup. They looked horrible. It was a complete whitewash. And during the game, they lost a bunch of guys. First of all, coming into the game, they, they were missing Danico Autre, their best pass rusher. He didn't practice at all last week. So he's got a knee injury. He didn't practice today. There's no way he's going to play. Like, based on my history of this stuff, if you, I mean, it's one thing if he was limited last week and, and missed the game. Um, you know, he's got a definite shot to play the next week, but to not practice even once and then to miss the first day of practice, you're not going to play. So I, I consider him out. David Long, their best linebacker, um, he got hurt during the Eagles game. He didn't practice today. It looks like a long shot. It's a big loss. He's 11th in, in PFF's uh, grade among linebackers. Number two in, in run defense. They're already down Zach Cunningham uh, at linebacker. He's, he's on IR. And then in the secondary, they were missing uh, Elijah Molden, their slot corner, going into last week. Uh, they're already missing their first-round pick from last year, Caleb Farley, Lonnie Johnson. So a couple more uh, cornerbacks were hurt a couple weeks ago. They're on IR. And then during the game, their top corner, Christian Fulton, got hurt. Uh, he hurt his groin when A.J. Brown just ran right over him, and he missed the rest of that game. He didn't practice today either. So they've got two rookies, Roger McCreary and Trey Avery, uh, on the outside, and uh, journeyman uh, Terrence Mitchell uh, at corner. Like, they are in the slot. They are an absolute train wreck in the secondary, at pass rush, and at linebacker. And I don't think any of those guys – I'm not going to say any of those guys going to play. He might get one or two back. Who knows? Um, but none of them practice today. And so if all those guys are out, the reason I took the line last night is I thought that line, that practice report come out and this line would start to trickle to three. The only reason it didn't was because of the, the Trevor Lawrence stuff. So um, if he, you can wait, I mean, if you're nervous about that, wait till, you know, Thursday, Friday, see if, you know, as soon as Lawrence plays, if you're interested in the Jags, you know, then I'd grab it and hopefully it's still above three at that point. But I think the Titans are an absolute mess right now. And no one's really talking about it. They lead the NFL in number of guys on injured reserve already. They just fired their GM. So there's some, you know, something going on in that locker room. Um, they, you know, they've already been one of those teams where they're playing well above their stats, starting to regress. Their their red zone production was elite uh, going in the first half of the year. And now it's starting to, you know, show some cracks and they're not scoring as often. This is not a great and talented team. And now you got Ryan Tannehill, who also didn't practice today. I'm sure he's fine, but you know, he's dealing with some stuff like this isn't this isn't the Titans team that we, we thought a couple of weeks ago. And I think I know the Jags got blown out. They're way better than that. Uh, it was just a bad matchup. And, you know, they, they fumbled on the first drive. It just it just went downhill. You know, the Lions are hot. They're a great offensive team. Titans are not. I just don't think. Oh, I forgot to mention Traylon Burks. He had a major concussion. He got smacked on the touchdown uh, that he somehow held on to. Got knocked out. I mean, he was knocked out. Like, he wasn't moving for about a good 10 seconds. 
Um, I can't imagine with the new concussion protocols that he'll be able to play. Maybe he will, but uh, I've seen the average um, players out about nine days from the con- from a concussion with the new protocols. So it would be a stretch for him to play, but it's I guess it's possible. They have no other weapons outside. So I think this is this should not. Be, I think this would be two and a half if we knew for sure Trevor Lawrence was playing. So long winded. I not only do I think the Jags cover, I think they win outright. I've got some on the money line, and I've got the Jags. Uh, some four in my pocket and um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that position as long as Trevor Lawrence plays. Yeah, no, thoroughly understand Trevor Lawrence looking at probable with a sprained big toe. So hopefully again, we get that positive news for you and that Jaguars money line and spread ticket TA, but moving on Hitman Jaguars Titans. You agree that the Jaguars seem like the side here or you looking to maybe bet Tennessee here. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. There's nothing I could add to what T.A. said. He broke it down perfectly. Jacksonville's aside. I like Jacksonville plus four. You're getting an extra half point because of the Lawrence. Uh, I'll put quote unquote uncertainty, but I would be stunned if he didn't or very surprised if he didn't play. And you're getting an extra half point from that move from three and a half to four today based off um, that uncertainty. But I don't think I think the line does go down once Lawrence is officially ruled in and once this Titans injury report becomes more mainstream. So I think the time to grab it is now. I like Jacksonville plus four. Jacksonville plus four. You heard it here first. TA and Hitman agreeing on that side. So uh like they mentioned the four is definitely crucial here. Obviously three and a half is nice, but before that number moves, do your best to lock that in and you can use bet stamp to find the best prices at any of the local books that you currently have to use. Um this game, not sure uh, how much we're going to have to go into this one, but the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Houston Texans as 17 to 16 and a half point favorites. Uh, this total is 45 and a half, and it is confirmed that uh, Davis Mills will get back into the starting lineup for Houston. Obviously, uh, that doesn't inspire too much comments for anything. We'll go back to you, Hitman. Texans, Cowboys, from a side and total perspective, what are you thinking here? Another game. I'm just not – I don't got much on this one. I will say – that the Davis Mills move where they're going to start him now, big upgrade, right? Maybe not big upgrade, but it's an upgrade. And who would have thought that we'd be sitting here saying Davis Mills is an upgrade over somebody. But when Kyle Allen's the other quarterback, it's a clear upgrade. But um, with that said, the Dallas pass rush, I mean, it's, I, I hate, I know Dallas used to be a team that, You'd be like, oh, his big favorites, usually they come out flat. But the thing is, is now their pass rush is just so freaking good that when they do get a lead, they just can suffocate some teams. And I I know last week, I think it was on this pod, I said, you know, I'm not betting it, but if I did bet the Colts, I would bet them in the first half against Dallas because mm-hmm. once they have to throw from behind, Dallas's pass rush is just going to eat them alive. And look what happened in that game. They're, uh, the Colts were down two going into the fourth quarter. They get behind, and then they lose by 35 with turnovers, sacks, fumbles, 
all that. So it's a long, long uh, speech by me just to ultimately say that I'm passing the game. Yeah, gigantic spread here. Completely understandable. Uh, TA, anything on the spreader total in this Dallas-Houston matchup? Yeah, it's funny that the Davis Mills news brought this down below 17. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's crazy that Davis Mills is a positive. He's, I mean, he's awful on the road historically. Like I've talked about his home road splits. Like he's actually pretty good at home. He's horrible on the road. So I don't think it's really an upgrade from Kyle Allen to be to be sure. And the thing is that uh, today, uh, both Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks, their, their top two receivers, both set out practice. Like if those guys are out, like I might, I might bite the bullet with Dallas and I never take these gigantic favorites, but if it's under 17 and you don't have your only two out, you know, wide receivers that can play, that might be worth a shot here. Um, like I said, with the Dallas defense, you know, they're good enough to continue to, to, to lay it on uh, a bad, bad offense like this, even in a blowout. And look, even if like, let's say they decided to pull Dak and put Cooper rush in like Cooper rush, you know, good quarterback. So it's not like, you know, he, he's going to really blow, you know, if he has to throw the ball a couple of times, he might be able to, to move the ball and not make many mistakes. So, you know, you do have some cushion there in case that ever happened. But like I said, I, I would never in a million years take Houston here. They're just so bad. They're so lifeless. I mean, the fact that they couldn't cover that game last week against the Browns is just unbelievable. Uh, the Browns ha- gave them every opportunity and they, they wouldn't take it. So, you know, that's just what bad teams do. I can't imagine they care anymore. Like they look lifeless. Lovey Smith looks lifeless. He he wants out. So, yeah. I mean, if 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 I see tomorrow that Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are sitting out again, uh, I might pull the trigger at sixteen and a half. Yeah. No, certainly understandable. Not a game that's attracting too much action. But uh, you know, don't need to watch every single game on the board. Can certainly tune your attention into more interesting games like this one happening in Seattle. We have the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Carolina Panthers. Carolina coming off that bye and Seattle coming off a tough week last week. Um, Looking at this spread, so this is something that certainly surprised me. Seattle opened at six and a half point favorites, and this number is all the way down to three and a half, four. Uh, This total open at 44, sitting mostly at 44 across the board. Um, Seattle dealing with a plethora of injuries to their running back room, so it's going to be interesting how this team is going to respond on the ground against a stout Panthers run defense. We'll go to UTA Seahawks Panthers. How are you viewing this one? Yeah, I missed. I would have loved to grab the Panthers at six on the open. Missed it, but um, you know, contemplating uh, still grabbing them at four here. You know, four four to six, not a huge uh, difference in value, but yeah, I think you know Seattle's starting to show some cracks. You know, they, they had a similar to Atlanta, really good early in the season, covering every game, and then lately they just they can't cover against that bad, bad uh, Rams team. We're trailing for a lot of the game, needed a you know last-minute comeback. Like, the, the defense just isn't very good. They have no pass rush. It's just scary, you know, taking Darnold on the road, um, you know, but it is over a field goal. If they get Dante Foreman back, I know he's hurt today. Um, he didn't practice. <clears throat> they definitely need him because they've got a pretty good running game, and they can run the ball on this team. Uh, and their defense is still pretty stout. Like the the Carolina defense is solid. I think they can they can hang with them. Uh, I would look to the under a little bit here uh, from a total perspective too. Um, but the thing with with Seattle, they have no running backs right now. I mean, we talked about it on on the injury um, show yesterday that there's 
you know, the Kenneth Walker in practice, they lost DJ Dallas, he's got a high ankle sprain. Travis Homer, who didn't play in last week's game, you know, who knows if he can play. They they had to pick up Wayne Gallman. Like they that it doesn't hurt unless it's like a you know, uh when it comes to third downs, short yardage, and you know, especially in pass blocking, um, blitz pickup and those sort of thing. You no, know, Carolina does blitz. So, you know, that could hurt them. So keep an eye on that. That might be the difference in, you know, extending a couple drives or not. Um, so to me, the side here is Carolina at over a field goal. It's just, you just got to hold your nose with, with Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Hitman, you agree that you're looking toward the Panthers here? Or do you see an edge on Seattle in this one? My, my numbers support Seattle. But with that said, Seattle is just not the type of team that I love laying many points with especially now with the, the running back situation. You have the um, the situation just with their defense being so bad. The fact that they were really the only team that let the Rams do much offensively was definitely concerning. So it, even though my numbers support Seattle, I just don't love I, – I, I like having them in an underdog role for sure compared to a favorite. So it probably ends up being a pass. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, no, certainly understand that. Uh, again, that number coming down from Seattle, minus 6.5 all the way to 3.5, 4. So uh, definitely interesting movement in that game. Sam Donald, of course, uh, like T.A. said, you got to hold your nose with him at the helm for Carolina. But also Seattle, not a team necessarily that you expect to win by over a field goal. So Interesting matchup there, a must-win for the NFC playoff race for actually both of those teams. So will be interesting to monitor the results of that one. But coming down to a certainly exciting game, the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, Jimmy G out for at least the remainder of the regular season. And Barack Purdy, the seventh-round Mr. Irrelevant, is looking to lead this 49ers team against the Bucs team that is coming off a win on Monday night. Definitely not one of the best or prettiest games ever, but they somehow pulled off that last drive touchdown to win that football game. We'll go back to you here, Hitman, with the Buccaneers. I mean, excuse me, with the Niners laying three and a half at home. Is there value there, or do you think the Buccaneers are kind of, you know, going to start regaining form and making a run at this thing? The issue with this game is it's just really tough to put a power rating on San Francisco. Um, on one hand, they have an excellent defense. And they have probably the best or one of the best supporting casts in the entire league when you consider playmakers and coach that could make a seventh-round rookie quarterback look formidable. And then on the other hand, you have a seventh-round rookie quarterback that we don't know what the hell to expect from going forward. So there's just a lot of variance in any San Francisco power rating that you're going to have. So for me, it's, it's just a, a complete pass for me. Totally understand that. Uh, yeah. I'm doing this fucking year on your team. 
so we talked about it yesterday, uh, the way I value, uh, well, I don't know if this is right, but there's at least, you got to at least start somewhere in terms of what's the value of Jimmy G versus someone like Brock Purdy. So um, it, probably the baseline, and again, this doesn't account for, you know, uh, uh, schedule strength, it doesn't account for uh, surrounding talent and, you know, because these are over different years and all sorts of things, but at least it's it's somewhere to start. It's a baseline. So when you look at you know EPA per drop back in their careers with San Francisco, Jimmy G is at a 0.178, which you know again in a normal kind of drop back game, you know it's worth about seven points uh, more than the average quarterback uh, in the NFL. You look at guys like Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, who you know I think a combination of those guys is probably you know a right around where a Brock Purdy would be. Um, Nick Mullins was undrafted. C.J. Beathard was a overdrafted third round pick. He was not a third round pick uh, in reality. Um, but those two guys posted in their time in San Francisco in this scheme uh, a negative zero point zero zero nine EPA, which again, um, you know, just under an average quarterback. So uh, Jimmy's about seven points above that. Uh, on average. So, uh, you know, again, with the supporting cast the way it is, you know, now you've got Christian McCaffrey, you got all these guys who produce huge yak. Um, and Jimmy is part of that. Like he, he puts the ball in such a great location, especially over the middle of the field where he excels. He's so accurate there that he gets these guys in the right spot, the right matchups, and he's able to find them and he can lead them. And that leads to some of this yak. Uh, so, you know, you lose some of that without him. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that if you're being fair, it's probably closer to five, five to six points. Um, and you look at this look ahead, it was six and a half, uh, I believe, before the, the Sunday games. And now we're at three and a half. So the market is not giving them the full, you know, four or five points. You give them just three. Uh, obviously, three is a key number. So at three and a half, you know, it, that matters. Again, I don't nothing about Monday night was impressive with Tampa. Their defense, if they get back Antoine Winfield, uh, if they get back Mike Edwards, like I think uh, Vita Vea was hurt, to, uh, was not at practice today. Like if, if they're a healthy defense, uh, I would look to three and a half with, with Tampa, but I'm not pulling the trigger yet. I just scares me. That offense just scares me to death. That offensive line against this defense with the Niners, it, it just really is, is an issue. And they just need Brock Purdy just to distribute like a point guard, just get the ball out quick, the quick swing passes, the slants. You know, the wide receiver screens, use Debo in the backfield. Like, that could be enough to, to get them the win. I just don't know if it's it, it creates margin. Um, so it should be really fascinating, and we're going to know a lot about uh, against this defense pretty quickly, you know, how valuable Jimmy G is versus a guy like Purdy. But, you know, I, I tend to, to get nervous when it's like the first start for a guy like this because, you know, who knows? Nobody knows. So you're just kind of guessing – uh, and do you want to guess with your money? I'm not sure. So, like I said, for pools and things like that, I would take the the, the bucks. But uh, right now, I don't have any money on this. Yeah, it seems like some fours popped up and were quickly eaten and brought right back down to three and a half in this game. So maybe the Buccaneers are looking like they're taking some money there. Uh, Hitman, do you agree with this game? It's uh, kind of too tough to see without knowing too much about Purdy. And do you lean the bucks, or do you kind of think uh, just stay away from this one? Hey, we we already got a. Uh... I already talked about the game, so we already got that. Perfect. Uh, moving on to the next matchup on the slate, the Kansas City Chiefs headed to Denver to take on the Broncos. They, of course, uh, Denver having one of the worst seasons imaginable, and the Chiefs are coming off that tough loss to the Bengals. Right now, the Chiefs are laying nine and a half in mile high, total sitting at 44. We'll go back to you, 
Hitman Chiefs Broncos. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I spoke about earlier that I think that it's a good teaser leg is the uh, the Chiefs if you get them in a six and a half, seven point teaser with Buffalo. And, you know, it's funny. I hear everybody talking about, well, Denver, maybe they could they could slow down Mahomes and this Chiefs offense and all that. Well, yeah, um, the, the, the Chiefs have faced the top 10 defense this year three times. They scored 41, 20, and 44 points. So, yeah, good luck, good luck stopping their offense. I mean, I suppose <laughs> there's going to be a few games a year that they put up duds, but their offense is going to have success more times than not. And this Broncos offense, now another injury. Cortland Sutton's going to miss this game. They're just out of bodies right now. And it's so for me, uh, give me the Chiefs teasers if I get them under three. Yeah, certainly understand that. Cortland Sutton, doubtful with a hamstring injury, so not expecting him. T.I., talk to me. Chiefs, Broncos, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I don't have much to add. I mean, it's uh, it's hard again, hard to lay this many points on the road in division. Historically, it's not the best best route, um, and the Chiefs historically are not very good at laying big numbers like this. So, you know, but Denver's is so awful, and again, without Cortland Sutton, that is such a huge blow. I mean, if they had Sutton in there, maybe they can compete, but you know, without him, it's tough. I'm just I'm just gonna pass on this game and. You know, there's way better options out there. So um, it's it's just, you know, not a game I'm interested in. But, uh, um, you know, we'll just pass. <laughs> Passing on that game and understandably so. Moving on to Sunday Night Primetime, one of the more interesting games on the board, in my opinion, at least the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Miami Dolphins. Right now sitting at Miami minus three, some three and a halfs out there. High total. Honestly, understandable, sitting at 52-and-a-half, 51-and-a-half, depending where you're looking. We'll go back to you, T.A. Sunday Night Football, Dolphins Chargers. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it should be a fun game, ton of points. Uh, two offenses that can move the ball, two defenses that can't stop anybody. I, I, I lean to the Dolphins at three. I just think that um, as long as two is healthy, again, that's the other issue is he's obviously hobbled with that ankle. Sounds like he could have gone back to the game last week, but, you know, at the end of the game was a blowout, didn't need to. But, you know, as long as he's healthy, I think that they are the right side here. Uh, I just think their passing game is a nightmare for this Chargers defense. They got nobody that can stay with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, the Chargers have allowed 7.1, 9.5, 8.2, 8.3 yards per attempt through the air. In the, in four of the last six games against the best offenses they face. So Seattle, Kansas City, San Francisco, and the Raiders. Um, they're allowing 29 points per game to each of those teams. Uh, since week seven, the rate uh, the Chargers are 31st in, in EPA per dropback allowed. They have no pass rush. Um, Khalil Mack is not doing, he can't do it all by himself. Uh, so no Joey Bosa. Uh, and this pass rush is fifth worst in the NFL in pressure rate. And now they've got, you know, they've they've had a cluster injury um, with their their defensive tackles uh, the last couple of weeks. Now they're they're uh, the run stuffer, the free agent that they signed, Sebastian Joseph Day from the Rams. He's questionable with a knee injury, so they're going to be very weak up the middle there. Uh, their top slot corner, Bryce Callahan, who's a really really underrated cornerback, um, he's day to day with a core muscle injury. This defense is is a uh, bottom five in explosive pass rate allowed. Good luck against this wide receiving core. So. And the thing is, like, I was worried about um, Miami last week without Taron Armstead, without Austin Jackson uh, on the offensive line. 
But to be honest, they didn't play that bad. They got the ball out quick. They were only he was only pressured 10 times the entire game. So it wasn't a, an issue of you know getting guys in his face and him being harassed. Uh, he just was inaccurate. Guys were open. So I think he was a little bit nervous that he was anticipating that pass rush a little bit more than he should have. He probably expected it and it never came. And that led to, you know, maybe some some uh, fundamental issues. But I think this is a great get right spot. I mean, the Chargers, not only do they have some of those defensive injuries, their offensive line. I watched most of that game last week against the Raiders. The Raiders have a bad pass rush. I know they have Max Crosby. Uh, he's really the only one. Chandler Jones is, is over the hill. He's not playing well. So they've got nobody else, and they were harassing Herbert left and right. He was pressured on 24 of 56 dropbacks, um, so almost a 50% rate, which is astronomical. Uh, he was missing Corey Lindsley, is, you know, one of the elite centers in the NFL. Uh, Trey Pimpkins is right tackle, was out. We already know his left tackle, Rashawn Slater, has been out for, for the season. Um, who knows if Lindsley will, will play? He's got a concussion. Um, and then also their rookie guard, Zion Johnson, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. You know, who knows if he'll play? Like that is a problem. The, the the Dolphins pass rush isn't great, but it's been a lot better since they've gotten Bradley Chubb uh, in the trade. So, you know, they're better there. They blitz a lot. Eighth in the NFL in blitz rate. Justin Herbert's only 23rd. We look at PFF grade against the blitz. So, you know, that's not really um, what you want to see if you're Justin Herbert. You know, who knows if Mike Williams plays? I mean, obviously that, that can help them a lot. He came back too soon from an ankle injury. Kansas City was gone after, what, one or two drives. You know, that may happen again. So even if he does play, who knows if it will be additive anyway. I just think that it's going to be really – I think it's a back and forth, but I think that the Dolphins have – it's going to be really hard to stop the Dolphins. Um, and they've got a – I think they got a schematic and coaching advantage. As much as I liked Brandon Staley last year, he's scared to death to go for it on fourth down anymore. He's passing up um opportunities to go for it so he's kicking long field goals when he shouldn't he's punting when he should be going for it i think he's getting a lot of pressure from from his uh higher ups there and from the media that's really gotten to him and so he's playing scared so all that advantage that we thought he had um is gone um so and i think mike mcdaniel can really out scheme him here middle of the field will be wide open uh, and i mentioned earlier derwin james he didn't practice today with a with a quad injury kind of out of nowhere. I mean, if he's out, forget about it. This line will get the four, I think, pretty easily. So um, to me, this is a, uh, a Dolphins play, and I might look at the uh, the team total here. Uh, I think that they're just going to lay it on from, from a points perspective. I think it's going to be really hard for uh, the Chargers to slow them down. Certainly understandable there. Uh, T uh, excuse me, Hitman, do you agree that it's uh, kind of Dolphins or bust here, or how are you viewing this game? I kind of am looking towards the under. You have the two tackles that are out for Miami or likely out. And I know last week we spoke about just a huge difference in pressure rates that Miami's allowed with and without Armstead on the field. Like he's been arguably the most valuable offensive lineman in the league this year. So you have that on one end. And then the Chargers, if Mike Williams does come back, who knows if he's 100%. Dealing with a high ankle sprain, sprain that's derailed a lot of seasons, especially for wide receivers. And then you have the O line injuries with uh, Pickett, with Pipkins, uh, Lindsley, Zion Johnson, Slater's obviously already out for the season. So for me, I think that uh, it's a high total. And with all these uh, cluster injuries to the offensive lines for for this team then it potentially worth a look to the under. 
certainly that total sitting at 51 and a half, 52. So certainly an opportunity to grab an under and primetime Sunday. But last but not least, Monday Night Football, the Arizona Cardinals hosting the New England Patriots. New England opening as one-point favorites in this line, trickling to New England minus one and a half, minus two at some shops, mostly one and a half. A total of 44 and a half. Hitman finished off. You eye Monday Night Football or you have nothing on this matchup? No, I, I don't got much on this. This uh, I'll be looking at props in this game. Maybe look at some Stevenson receiving props. Again, he's just been absolutely crushing in the receiving game. We'll see if Damian Harris is back or not. May, maybe look at a tight end against the Cardinals defense. Yeah. Which, I'm just going to oh, say that for you. Yeah. Sure you really oh, know. my God. Are they the worst defense against tight ends? It's comical. And the funny thing is, is like you would think like, all right, you have Buda Baker. And then you drafted Isaiah Simmons, who was supposed to be this hybrid guy. You drafted Collins, exactly. And they're just pathetic. So maybe (laughs) I'll look at some props, but um, I don't have anything for the cider total as of now. What about you, T.A.? I was going to say, yeah, Hunter Henry props. uh, He looks pretty good here. Um, Yeah, I I haven't uh, taken anything here. I would lean Patriots. The only thing that scares me is they historically struggle. We talked about a million times against mobile quarterbacks. Um, they've got some great athletes. I mean, they're going to have Hollywood Brown and, and DeAndre Hopkins back in the lineup. Uh, maybe Rondell Moore. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the injury report, but that, I mean, that turns into a really interesting offense and the Patriots is, you know, very smart, fundamental uh, uh, defense. They're not the most athletic, so that could create some problems. So that gives a little bit of an unknown here. Um, but yeah, like uh, I definitely think uh, look for a lot of Hunter Henry uh, in this game. I think this could be a really big game for him. I mean, everybody eats up the Cardinals at tight end. Um, I mean, Kittle had a monster game. I was on that over. I think uh, Hitman was too. Uh, at, when they were in Mexico, he, he easily cleared that. Actually, I had him in, a, in an alt over, uh, and he cleared that pretty easily too. So um, I would expect uh, him to have a big game. I mean, I'm interested to see the Cardinals who are essentially out of the playoff hunt Um do they really care coming off a bye? You know, it's always interesting to see a, a badly coached team like this. We know Cliff is not a good coach and not a good motivator. Off of a bye, they're probably vacationing, thinking that the, the season's over this late. Like, are they going to show up? I, I don't know. That's that's an interesting angle from a motivation perspective. I know that the Patriots will show up because they always do under Belichick. And they've got a, you know, there's no advantage with the bye for, for Arizona from a rest perspective since New England's coming off a Thursday night game. So, um, yeah, I would, uh, I think this would be interesting. Um, you'll know pretty quick. I think if you're looking at, uh, you know, in, in game live betting, like just watch the first quarter or even the first two drives, like you'll know pretty quick who's, who's interested in playing this game and, and how it'll go. Um, but you know, right for now, I've got nothing on this, but I think the Patriots are very interesting. Yeah, no, I could certainly see why you would think that for Monday night football, but that is going to do it for Edge Rush Week 14 of the NFL Slate. We'd like to thank every single listener. If you could please be so kind to like, comment, and review. That's the fastest way to help grow our podcast and our channel. We would greatly appreciate it. For more content, you can follow us on Twitter at the Hammer HQ. You can follow TA at Cleave TA. You can follow myself at Slime Action. You can follow Hitman at Hitman428. And do not forget to go to YouTube and follow Forward Progress on YouTube for all NFL-related content from The Hammer. Best of luck this weekend. See you guys next time.